know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big Money Siege. It's Monday. The playoff races are intensifying. I want you to tell me a better playoff race, a better story than the upcoming Wednesday game between the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames, which may or may not decide who gets that second and final wildcard spot in the Western Conference. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I don't think there's a better remaining game, at least one that I see. I, I suppose we could get into the last week and something could emerge if a team all of a sudden loses a few games in a row, needs a win at the end of the year. That that looks like the, the most playoff-like game. You know, the one thing I'll say, though, is that the winner isn't automatically in and the loser isn't automatically out. Like, it will feel that Fair. way in the moment. Like, that's that's like the stakes of the game, which is awesome. But, you know, if Calgary wins and pulls even at 89 points with Winnipeg, you know, you're still that they're still actually don't have the tiebreaker. So it's it feels to me like Calgary really has to win that one. Um, but both teams, of course, have pretty, you know, have a lot riding on it. And, you know, Seattle, they've got more games to play, but they're still kind of in the mix. Like, this is what I mean. If one team gets cold at the wrong time of year, you loses three or four in a row. It could change things. But I, I love the idea of that Calgary Winnipeg game. It's being shown nationally in Canada. So it's uh, an easy one to tune in. For if you're uh, if you're living up here north of the border, and I think probably the mo- the most dramatic regular season game we'll get, and you know we'll see what the last week holds for us. But that that one looks pretty juicy. It looks real juicy, man. I have to admit, the Calgary Flames are waking up at the right time. I mean, they're not like it's not. By the way, when I say they're they're waking up at the right time, I hope no one confuses that with me saying they're playing their best hockey because a lot of it's been a bit sloppy. Uh, they've they've had to come back in back-to-back games after being down through 40 minutes, but they're on a four-game winning streak for the first time all year, and they've now put themselves in a position where if everything goes right, they could make the playoffs, which I don't know. I kind of, I almost kind of wrote them off about two weeks ago, and now they're here. Well, it's the get-it-done league, and they're getting it done, bud. I mean, it's the same way, I suppose, at times. I mean, you don't get 15 overtime and shootout losses like they have, and you can't pretty be pretty easy to go back through their schedule and say they could have won this game or should have won that one. I mean, obviously, so, you know, at the, on the flip side, if they maybe squeak out a few ugly wins, you know, I, I sort of feel like that that's, that's the universe balancing itself out over an 82 game season. Um, you know, it's, it's been interesting to watch, you know, Florida came back to life on the Eastern side of the bracket, mm-hmm. three, three big wins last week. So they're, they're still knocking at the door in the wild card spot. And, and, you know, the flip side, you see a team like Ottawa drop a couple games over the weekend feels like their chances. I mean, mathematically they still remain in the race, but it, the, what they need to happen gets, you know, the odds of it happening are longer and longer and longer. And they, they pretty much got to win their last five games and would still need some help from the teams ahead of them. So, you know, we're, we're focusing in on these races. I mean, the jets, I mean, they came home under all kinds of heat after their trip through California didn't look like things were working with, with, you know, Mark Shifley and Rick bonus, the eye roll. Yeah. The eye roll, the eye roll hurled around the hockey world. <laughs> and, and you have, you know, the fact they hadn't scored any goals and then they, they have an offensive explosion, get a couple wins. And now things 
feel better. I mean, we're, we're in the true roller coaster part of the year um, because everything matters so much. And obviously, you know, making the playoffs and not it's, it, there's a huge difference for these teams that are kind of right on the line. I mean, a team like Calgary is either going to squeak in or be squeaked out and um, you know, it'll be pretty, pretty cool for you to cover it up close and personal there, Julian. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm selfishly like I'm, I'm excited about all of this because like, I mean, I want to cover the playoffs, but like getting to cover a team that's like trying to get in, like that's like every game feels like a playoff game through this point on. So like, it's, I'm I'm cool with that too, selfishly. Like I I, I want that for myself. Absolutely. You think, I, I you can't think wait. if they get in the playoffs, will they roll out a poutine hot dog and at the dome or what? All right, I'm switching topics here. I'm not doing this. What did you think of producer Nick's um off-air proclamation uh that the Buffalo Sabres will make the playoffs? It's a bold call. But that if when I think producer Nick, I think nothing but bold. Uh, you know, it's certainly that, that possible. That man is bold. He's a bold man. I'll be honest. I've been sleeping on the Sabres a little bit of late. Like I'd kind of, you know, you talked about maybe writing the flames off mentally. I, you know, Buffalo had had a, a tougher stretch. I thought they weren't in there, but look, they have games in hand on Florida, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders ahead of them. Um, you know, they're, they're five points back as we're recording this. Uh, although they do, they would have the tiebreaker if they won those games. Uh, over all the teams ahead of them. So they're, they're positioned well that way. But the truth is they actually control their own fate to a certain degree. They just, they got to get the job done. Now, to me, it looks like they got to win at least five out of seven, maybe six out of seven. And obviously if they won seven out of seven, they'd actually would mathematically be in there. So, um, you know, it's possible for, for the Sabres, uh, you know, they brought Devin Levi in to play net. So it's kind of a cool time where you're, you're throwing the future into the present and, and the game still matter. And so, you know, Buffalo's definitely a team to keep an eye on in these last two weeks because they do control their own fate. It, it's asking a lot to win six out of seven, for example, when you have to, when when every game feels like a playoff game, the way it does for Calgary and Winnipeg and Florida and all these teams that are right on the bubble. But, you know, the Sabres got a punching chance. That's true. By the way, I hate you for that hot dog thing. Uh, at least one NHL staffer approached me over the weekend and agreed with your take. Yes. I, I actually feel like I, I had the social medias on my side too. I, I no, I think there was a weird like Ontario, like, like Toronto bias that really reared its head. <laughs> and I I did not get enough support. How are you from gonna my... use like how Canadian of you to blame Toronto somehow on this? Like, how is this a Toronto thing? How could I not be a Canadian and not blame Toronto? It's 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 in my DNA to do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever. Bias and all that. Who cares? You guys could take it. You guys have Toronto has the big ego of it, of it of centering itself. So like you guys can take it. Have you confirmed? This is the truth. I actually, cause I saw on the internet that they were doing this poutine hot dog, but I actually don't know. Are, is it actually a thing? Like, is it real? I, I, I saw the Jays. It was like it, Darren so Robel. So like, it made me kind of nervous that it's not actually a thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought Darren Ravel. I thought Darren Ravel was the truth. I, I I I believe Darren Ravel when he tweets that stuff. It's just. But have you seen anything so, from the Blue Jays or like Shy Davidi or anyone that with like like real credibility that this is a? Do thing? you really? Do we really need Shy Davidi doing this? <laughs> to Shy Davidi Shai, to waste I need time you, man. On the hot dogs. <laughs> is that what we're doing here? I forgot I, where I saw it, but like I I I saw it, and it was very much a, plus. Like everybody hopped on it. Like no one said, like dude, like what the hell are you talking about? This is real. 
it just would be funny if we we had this argument about a thing that was totally a hypothetical that isn't even real. It's like I dreamed up a Putsin hot dog. Because like I'm I'm you know my schedule is a little in flux with playoff coverage coming up, so I I don't know which Blue Jays game I can get to. They don't play at home. They they start with a crazy road trip, ten or eleven games in a row on the on the road. So so so, so wait, hold on a second. So like do you when I mentioned the Putsin hot dog thing, like did you see you hadn't seen the photo that was going around? Yeah, I just saw the Darren Ravel tweet. Yeah, that that's I think that's as much as we could go off of here. It looks like it's just. But I'm just I, saying, I'm gonna get to a game in mid-April if I can, like assuming the the scheduling works because I'd be tied up with work. And I, I'm I'm eating a poutine hot dog at the earliest possible opportunity. Can we please suggest other food items for CJ to eat so he doesn't mess up his intestines? <laughs> also, for people who got mad at me for putting on relish on a hot dog. If you, I, I don't know if it's a thing in other parts of the country of a of Montreal steamy where you you do it on all like if if you ask for an all dressed hot dog, what do you get? I've never asked for an all dressed hot dog, and I've never put relish on a hot dog, so I, I don't, so that's I, not so it's so I don't think it's a thing beyond I guess Montreal really or Quebec like an all dressed hot dog's like chopped onions, mustard. Not like wet coleslaw, I guess, but like relishes on there. Like there's a bunch of different things that go on an all dress hot dog. You, I love that you're just. I feel like your your take is being knocked down a peg by your your hot dog taste. I love it. I saw lots of people in the comments being like, "Julian puts relish on a hot dog." He he's discounted from saying whatever. No, you just people just don't understand Quebecois culture. I under, I understand. I I I I. If you didn't know any better, I I would be hating too. I get it. I don't know. And even then, even then, that's very rare. I would only put mustard normally. And you know what? We're spending way too much time. I like, this. I love that you're like, we're not talking about this. And then you brought it, you brought it here, bud. Because I started feel, this with there's a part of me that feels that like I need to clear my name on this crap because I'm tired of all these people yelling at me, being mad at me on Twitter about this. <laughs> How am I wrong? My How am gonna, I wrong? My man's going to focus on covering a playoff race, and, he, and his mentions are just full of people giving him crap for poutine hot dogs. Someone wrote in my mentions yesterday, eat the poutine hot dog. It's good for you. It took oh. me a lot to not respond and be like, just say something really mean. This is the content people come for, bud. Can we please just go to sports interaction? Okay. We can. Are we going to be fired? I feel like Adam Wilde's going to hear this segment. And it's just Adam Wilde can't. If Adam Wilde fires us, then that's definitely. No, you know what? He's just going to pull the plug. He's like, we had a good run here, boys. But we had a good run, guys. You guys got nothing left to talk about. So, <laughs> 151 episodes, and that's as best as you could do. I'm just going to go listen to 32 Thoughts again. <laughs> <laughs> they won't talk about hot dogs there. <laughs> Nah, Elliot Friedman is afraid of hot dogs. There's no way he's talking about hot dogs on his podcast. Jeff Merrick wouldn't start a show talking about poutine hot dogs. No, Jeff Merrick, I think, like, treats his body well. I, I feel like he wouldn't even think about eating a hot dog. Whereas I'm like, I'm going to try to eat more than seven in one sitting this year. Jeff Merrick considers his body as a temple. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I just go, I go for lots of runs to counterbalance the hot dog eating. Okay, at the very least, you, you do that for yourself. Jeff Merrick just sits in the corner, just meditating. He's like, I would never touch a glizzy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, get to the get to DB. I'm yeah, gonna... let's get that. Yeah, let, let's get to let's get to sports interaction. Don't worry about thirty two thoughts on us roasting them. They can take it. It's okay. Anyway, time for sports interactions. You can bet that. 
You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. CJ, who do you think will end the season as uh, the leading goal scorer for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, Will it be uh, William Nylander or will it be Austin Matthews? Sports Interaction uh, right now uh, has one of their little dangle doozies uh, as a William Nylander, top goal scorer for the Leafs, question mark. Uh, Yes at 1.95, no at 1.85. What say you? I mean, you want to go with Austin Matthews just because of history. And, and you know, I always say you would have lost a lot of money over the years betting against Austin Matthews. But then we're getting to that time of year where it's hard to know, like, are the Leafs going to, like, will both guys play all the remaining games? You know, we, we saw the Leafs sit out Mitch Marner for their game on Sunday just for sort of a load management, uh, you know, take some strain off the body type of thing. Um, and, and, you know, you get down to this, the end of the season, you know, Nylander hasn't really, he's kind of struggled lately, but you almost think, well, he's due for an uptick and, and to put a couple in, but you know, if you, if you make me pick it, I think I'm going Matthews, uh, just cause he plays more minutes, generates more shots and has scored a lot more goals, but down, down to the, the last handful of games, anything could happen. Uh, since this show is designed to pit us against each other for the most random things, I'll just say William Nylander does it. All right. What happens if they tie? Great question. That's a great question. I don't know. I didn't think about that. Because it's certainly possible. Yeah. It's not even like on it's not even like they have the option for tie. It's just as if like, okay, one guy's gonna do it or the other guy's gonna do it. Who knows? You'll just have to uh, watch the remainder of the regular season to figure all of that out. And don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn this episode of the chris johnston show is brought to you by athletic greens i take ag1 every day because i want better gut health sustained energy and i love the fact that there are 75 different uh, vitamins and minerals that i can take in one little powder i could just put in water maybe if i mix it up with a little bit of like lime juice or or some other kind of juice it gets it makes it taste even better than it already does but i love taking it every morning even before breakfast, helps me get started with my day, helps give me some energy. Just, I like it. I know a lot of people are wondering like, hey, like, is it worth getting? Is it worth getting into? Uh, Is it good for workouts? Is it good for just, you know, going about your day? Yes to all of that. It's just a good way to energize yourself, to have you feel more awake and, and do everything you can to get your day started. And if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Johnston. It's CJ's last name. That's athleticgreens.com slash Johnston to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Siege, if you really think about it, our sports interaction segment is actually a good start towards a a segment on this show you know very well. It's time for Leafs Corner, everybody, where we talk about the Leafs. Uh, Matt Murray and uh, Michael Bunting will come up in this conversation. Uh, Matt Murray. So when you say a... Leafs Corner, is that because you don't like the Leafs? They don't, I don't. They no, don't it's just the origin of this. There is. Here's the thing. So, we talk about all sorts of teams on this pod. 
we talk about a bunch of teams on this pod, but there are a lot of people who listen to this pod who like to hear us talk about the Leafs. In fact, there have been people who will go out of their way to be like, hey, Leafs Corner should stay on the show. It's oh, like I a, see. yeah, it's like a, it's like a fun joke. Like, cause a lot of people remember in the early days, a lot of people would be like, oh, this is the Leaf show. So this is us kind of leaning into the joke. Right. Cause I don't remember when we've last spoken about the Leafs. It might be not really since the trade deadline in the. Yeah. I can't remember the last time when that happened. I mean, there's not, not a lot like to a talk regular. about. They've been lined up with Tampa no. since November 27th. Yeah. I actually I laughed the... over the weekend. I don't know if you saw, like, NHL.com put out a story. It was like, Leafs and Lightning to meet in first round, like, because I guess it became mathematically official. But, like, it's like, it's been official for four months, guys. Like, there was a an LFR that Steve Dangle did last week. Uh, I guess that might have been the game when it was official. It was going to be Leafs and Lightning. And the, the cold open's pretty great where uh, him and, and Hack Guy are like, basically say like oh the the Leafs clinched the series against the lighting and they both yell the f-word at each other I think they bleep it up but like I thought it was hilarious but uh yeah it seems like uh we've known this for like way too long all right which is the total that's the total counterpoint to this playoff format it's not even that the because like the league will point out that this the series might be the same but the, the the point is you wouldn't know that they were the same until the last day of the season there would still be some degree mm-hmm. of like this could happen. And, you know, like the Leafs play their last game of the year at the Rangers, like the way those teams are situated right now in the playoffs, that game could have implication on who those teams play. It could even mean they play themselves. Anyway, we've, we've beat that playoff thing to death, but like, I, I just want to make the point that it would get us out of this thing where one playoff matchup is locked in for literally four months. Yeah. And telegraph the whole way through. Um, to the point the Leafs talk, are actually, yeah. they've been talking about the Lightning, man. Like, I've actually really, usually players will be like, you know, we got to see how, you know, players don't like to get ahead of themselves. Like, the Leafs have actually been openly, the times I've been around them, talking about, like, preparing for a Lightning series already, um, which is wild. In terms of that preparation, like, what does that look like? When you know who you're going to play for the better part of, like, half a season, like, how do you go about preparing? Is it just, you play through the games, you you obviously focus on whatever matchups you can get with Tampa before the end of the year. But like, what does that look like? Like Morgan Riley mentioned, he, he like to, he'll tune into a lightning game. If it's on an off night and he's at home, like he didn't make it sound like he goes out of his way he's studying with notes, but I think he's just sort of maybe keeping an eye on them. I mean, the flip side too, of course, like these are all divisional playoff matchups. These teams know each other. I mean, the, the Leafs core and the lightning core have been the same for five or six seasons. They've played a ton of, regular season matchups of course and then they were in a seven game series last year so i'm not sure you can really learn anything maybe there's a mental preparation just knowing you're going up against a really really difficult team with um you know player like maybe it it helps with that but i I guess it's just more funny to hear them talk about it when it you know when it wasn't yet official but it's just been so basically it's so official they can't even deny that they're not thinking about it um you know that really that really shows you how static the system is. And I, I think it needs a shock and you can't, I, I don't, it's not even that the Leafs have to play the lightning. That isn't the issue actually in this particular case that I'm raising. It's just, I think there needs to be a little more drama to the regular season um, because literally both these teams have been playing more or less meaningless games for two months. Is it, is that, I mean, that's really the only matchup that's really been like set in stone for the last little while, unless I'm wrong, unless I'm missing no. another 
you're not the West. The great thing about the West right now is literally it's a complete grab bag. Like you have three different teams that could win the Pacific division. So that obviously impacts mm-hmm. who's going to play a wild card team. And then, you know, two and three in the division play, you know, over in the central, it's the same thing. Colorado's come on Minnesota's up at the top. Like there, there, we could have multiple leapfrog situations when you, when you're trying to figure out who's going to play whom. And then obviously we don't yet know if, if Calgary going to get into the, the last spot is in Winnipeg, maybe Nashville somehow finds a way. I mean, it's, it's pretty wide open i'd say in the west it's just over in the atlantic with boston being so far ahead i mean they've already clinched the president's trophy and then the leafs and lightning being so far ahead of the teams below them um it's kind of taken some of that buzz out of things i think yeah i think if well obviously if it was a one eight scenario we wouldn't be it wouldn't be set in stone that way but to your point yeah i i, I can understand where you're coming from with with that viewpoint i mean as someone who also wants one and eight as well um, yeah. But yeah, it is what it is. Um, what can you tell us about Matt Murray and uh, the injury he suffered against the Detroit Red Wings on uh, on Sunday? Where I saw Lucas Raymond uh, kind of get driven, or I'm not sure if he got driven into, but I know he he went into Matt Murray and he ended up leaving the game after that. But what can you tell us about Matt Murray? Well, I mean, it was the concussion spotters that you know had him removed from the game. The Leafs haven't provided much in terms of an update. They're, they don't practice on Monday here, so we're not going to get one, I would expect, before Tuesday morning uh, when they have a morning skate ahead of their game against Columbus. And, you know, it's a tough situation. I mean, Matt Murray, when he's played for the Leafs, he actually played pretty well, and he had some high-water moments in the regular season. But the knock on him is what? That you can't, you know, trust that his body's going to be able to hold up. In this case, it's not... I mean, it's really just an unfortunate circumstance where he gets knocked down and and bangs his head, and you know he's he's dealt with those kind of issues in the past. So I think that there's a heightened sensitivity there, and you know, so you know, I'm not sure where they go from here. It it, it probably takes some of the debate about who's starting Game One of the playoffs out, um, especially if Matt Murray sidelined for any length of time with, with so little time left in the regular season, uh, with think that that points Delia Samsonov likely stepping in. And, and I think really, if we look big picture at Matt Murray, I mean, he's sort of been what you would expect him to be. I mean, this was the, this was the sort of book on him at this point is that his body just, he can't stay healthy enough for long enough to give you prolonged stretches, a great play. But when he is in there, you know, I, I think that there's a trust in him. And, and obviously the Leafs had a lot of trust in him to make the trade they did for him with, with Ottawa last summer. Um, and, you know, this is more on, kind of an unfortunate circumstance and a evidence of his body breaking down. Like, you know, he had an ankle issue and an advocator issue earlier in the year, but it's his third significant injury or potentially significant. I suppose I don't know the nature of it just yet, but um, this season and, and, you know, I think for the Leafs, you know, you're, you're probably looking at going into the playoffs with Ilya Samsonov. I guess you hope that Murray doesn't have symptoms for too long that he's able to be on the ice again soon, but there's just not a lot of runway left in this season to to have him feeling good entering the playoffs. Yeah, the more you, the more I look at this play, like Lucas Raymond is trying to drive around the net, and he just I don't know if he loses an edge or what, but it's 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 a clear freak accident where he 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 loses his balance and then goes into to Matt Murray, and it's it's a it's a really unfortunate situation for him, a guy who's still trying to get himself back to form, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's a really it's a crazy freak sport, incident. man. I mean, yeah. somehow Phil Kessel, he's hes just a handful of ways, games away from his 11th 82-game season completed. Like, the NHL's Ironman. Like, 
when you think of freak accidents that happen, you know, why, do, how can one player go through that many games and not be part of something? And, and then, you know, obviously in this case, it's not, it's not a knock on Matt Murray, just a, just a bad, unfortunate play. And, and look, we don't yet know, you know, as you know, with concussions, usually there's got to be a period of time where you want to see if there's an onset of symptoms. If there's not, then the player, there's sort of a return to play protocol where the player will, will exercise on a bike and, and get his heart rate up. And then if, if there's no symptoms there, you know, he can advance to where he can skate. Um, you know, th- th- this is pretty well established at this point in time. And the problem, I suppose, with any sort of concussion related injury, head injury, is that there's not really a time to, you, you don't say, Hey, in two to three weeks, he'll be, he'll be good to go. Like it, it's, it's a bit more of an uncertain time period, you know, all the time with these sorts of injuries. So, you know, maybe we see him on the ice by the weekend. Maybe it's a longer thing. I mean, I think it's hard to know. Um, but, you know, the Leafs do have another goaltender in Joseph Wall, who's had a tremendous season in the American Hockey League. He's only made a handful of NHL starts this year, but he's done well in those. Um, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy sport and it's a crazy position. I think we're going to see some wild things with goalies in the playoffs this year. I really... I just think there's too many good teams that don't have certainty at that position. And, and, you know, we saw Colorado win a cup with their number one goaltender going down with an eye injury and, you know, having to call on a backup. So I, I think that that, that will be very normalized for, for NHL teams with, with high ambitions is this playoffs. Well, it's interesting. You bring up Colorado as an example, because Darcy Kemper was battling an eye injury during the playoffs. And that's kind of what led to Pavel Francouz getting games uh, for the abs on their cup run. But I uh, just, just trying to deconstruct how you're, how you're phrasing it here. But like, are you, are you seeing a situation where teams are going to purposefully use tandems? Like I can't see a team like Tampa Bay looking at Andre Vasilevsky and saying, all right, we're just going to split starts with Brian Elliott the whole way. If Calgary makes it, I I don't see a situation where Daryl Sutter says, okay, Jacob Barkstrom, you're splitting starts with, with Dan Vladar. Like, I feel like some coaches might not do it, but I'm also just curious for, for your perspective on this. The only team that might do it is Boston. You know, Jim Montgomery's acknowledged with Swayman and Allmark that, that he's, he would at least think about that. And really what you're talking about is, will we see a team switch goalies after winning a game in a playoff series where both goalies are still healthy? Like that would be, that would be the definition of using a tandem. Like, I think there's lots of teams entering the playoffs who like both their goalies, but you're right. They're, they're gonna they're gonna start with one and feel good about that that player. And if if he performs well, they're they're probably not gonna make a change. It's only if he struggles or if there's an injury situation where you make the t- change. I mean, we're probably coming to the day, like I think it will happen eventually where teams approach it as a tandem. I just don't know if we're fully there yet. I mean, the Bruins they win no matter who's in the lineup. So I could see them trying this. I mean, they're they're already resting players and they're still just winning as like a matter of course. Um, in the at the end of the regular season, and and the fact they've rolled both goalies with a high degree of success this year, I maybe they do it, but but I'm kind of I sh- I should dial back using the word tandem specifically because I think really what you're talking about is there's two players that that they'll play at that position. They're going to start with one and hope it works out, and then go to the other if it doesn't. Um, but I I don't think that there's anyone maybe outside of Boston that would actually switch it up in series while they're having success. One other question uh, before we get to some other news and notes around the league as well. Uh, there seems to be a penalty story slash issue with Michael Bunting and 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 the Leafs. Like it, it seems like almost any time I see Michael Bunting come up on my Twitter timeline, if there's something about him yapping off to the refs or some penalty 
that he should have drawn that might not have been drawn. And it looks as if like the Leafs might actually want to talk to the league about how he might be treated. Like, what can you explain about the Michael Bunting penalty story that seems to be developing? Well, the Leafs feel that, that he's not being officiated in a fair manner of late. And, you know, I've seen some people point out that Michael Bunting has drawn the most number of minor penalties in the league this year. And that, that is true across the whole season. But, but if you follow the trend a little cl- more closely is that the, the number of penalties that he's drawn has gone down significantly. And it does seem as though almost like the word is out about him. And, and I think referees are a little more careful when assessing, you know, infractions that are, that might be inflicted upon him. And, you know, this, this came to a bit of a head in the game Sunday night against Detroit because he, he, he took a penalty that was pretty bogus. He's getting cross-checked and somehow he ends up with the penalty. And then he took a 10 minute misconduct after that, you know, on a subsequent play. And I think that that resulted in some frustration. Sheldon Keith mentioned to reporters that Kyle Dubas would take it up with the league. I mean, look, Michael Bunting plays on a certain line and when he's effective, of course, he's drawing penalties. He's getting under the skin of the other team. And, you know, he's, he's being a net positive for the Leafs. I think where it gets very, you know, touchy at this time of year is, is if he starts getting taking penalties and especially ones the Leafs don't think are deserved um, because maybe it's a reputational type call in some situations. That's, that's where it's dicey because obviously we know every power play, every penalty, like everything gets heightened as we get into the playoffs. I mean, that, that could literally decide a game or a series. And so, you know, I would say this, it gets a lot of attention and oxygen because it's Toronto. Um, but this sort of conversation does happen at the league level with all kinds of teams who, you know, you go to the GM's meeting and, and one of the funny things at the GM's meeting, of course, there's, there's the big topics that get discussed. But then when you're just sort of casually chatting with these guys, when you're down there, a, a lot of times like a specific GM is a specific issue from a game that happened to, you know, with his team or or maybe they've seen a pattern and, and they use the opportunity to get in, whether it's Stephen Wacom's year, who, who, you know, is in charge of the officials. Um, or Colin Campbell, you know, who, who runs hockey operations for the league, or even George Peros, who runs the Department of Player Safety. I mean, there, there's always like an axe to grind somewhere. And so, yeah, I guess the Leafs will be, you know, trying to get some clarification on, on what's going on with Michael Bunting. But, you know, it's he's under a lot of pressure. You know, it's been kind of a funny year for Bunting. You know, he's been knocked off the Leafs, you know, top line throughout this year. His, his production you know, I think it's it's going to end up in a decent place, but it's sort of, it started slow and then it surged and it's, it's kind of falling back a little bit. He's in a contract year. And then of course, you know, he's looking to make a difference for a team in the playoffs. And if he feels as though he can't perform the role, he's, you know, properly without the refs, you know, looking to call him. I mean, it's, it's, he's, he's got to walk a pretty tight and fine line. And I think the Leafs are trying to establish that line a little clearer than, than it has been of late. Yeah. I just like seeing this, like immediately the first person for whatever reason comes to mind is Brendan Gallagher, because once upon a time, Brendan Gallagher was in the exact same situation as Michael Bunting, where he was going around doing his thing, being a pest, but also it seemed as if he couldn't draw calls. I mean, I think he drew, he drew a lot more calls than I think maybe people give him credit for, but he was also in this same situation where it seemed as if he couldn't buy a call on some given nights. Like it was, it's a very interesting situation. Maybe I'm wrong, but like, I feel like Brendan Gallagher is like a comparable to the situation. No, I I think you're right there. I think, you know, from the size to the way they play to the fact that I think both guys to a certain degree need it. Like, I think it's fuel for them to be kind of on the edge a little bit. And and like, like that's, that helps make their games go. And, and look, there's an underlying issue here. Like the Leafs have been among the the teams that have received the least power plays going back many seasons now. And so 
I think that's a point of frustration because obviously they they've, you know, their, their team's built a little differently this year, but it, they, they went for a more skilled team, but they couldn't get penalties. And obviously the power play when you have their offensive weapons should be a, a point of differentiation. And so I think that there's, there's a lot that goes into the frustration that's built uh, about this. And, and the truth of the matter is, is, you know, it's going to be up to Michael Bunting maybe to say a little bit less to the referees, fair or not. And, and he's got to watch himself because, you know, if he's, if he's going to the box rather than drawing those penalties, that could be, you know, a, a real, you know, deficit for Toronto in that series with Tampa. Okay. Let's talk briefly about the Boston Bruins. We have to acknowledge the fact that they won the president. They've clinched the president's trophy uh, over the weekend. They're the fourth team in NHL history to have won uh, 60 games. Uh, the Canadians are on that list. The lightning are on that list. Do you remember who, uh, which do you, do you know which team Detroit. I'm missing CJ? There Detroit. it is. Detroit is the team. I knew, I knew that. I just want to make sure you knew. I like that. Well, yeah. And look, the, the significant number here is 62 wins, which is the, the all-time NHL record, the Tampa match back in 2018, 19. Um, and, you know, Boston needs three wins in the last five games. It doesn't seem like they're, it doesn't seem like it's a huge organizational priority. Like I'm sure they would love to do it, of course, but you know, they rested David Krejci and Charlie McAvoy in the game they played in St. Louis on Sunday. I know they've, they've sat out some other top guys in previous games. Like, I, I think that they're going to prioritize getting ready for the playoffs rather than, you know, putting all the chips on the table to win three of the last five. But just given the way their season's gone, like, would you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against them winning three out of five to end the year and, and end up perhaps as one of the greatest regular season teams we've ever seen. I mean, it's little apples to oranges from the 70s and 80s and, and what happened before when there used to be ties rather than the chance to win games in overtime at three on three or shootouts. But still, I mean, it's hard to look at Boston season and say this isn't about as dominant as we've seen. Um, and then of course the question becomes, does it mean anything? Cause you know, they're, they're, they'll be back to zero and zero with zero goals scored and zero goals against, you know, come April 17th and, and you know, just the way hockey works. I mean, the president's trophy, like I think it really is, it's a great achievement for any organization that wins it, but, you know, it's the Stanley Cup that we we write stories about, right? It's the Stanley Cup that we write the the romance of the sport about, and and there's it's hard to win four seven game series. A lot of things have to go your way, and you know, yeah, kind of have to line up the moon and the stars to get it done. And we'll see if they can get it done. Um, but yeah, just a ridiculous season by Boston. And if anyone is deserving the J moniker that I've retired, they 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 deserve to to have that placed on them. There's another conversation uh, to be had, and I think that's better for another episode where we have a bit more time, where I think the league needs to find a way to make the president's trophy matter more than it does. That's how I feel about it. I mean, it already exists, though, right? Like, they recognize the regular season champion. There's a there's a financial bonus yeah. for the players on that team. Like, it's just, it's almost like, how can you make fans, if fans don't really care about it, how can you make fans care about it? You know what I mean? That, 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 and that's, and that's what I'm thinking. Like, how do you, I think there's a way to do it. I, 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 but again, that's a whole other conversation. I think yeah. it's worth having on another episode of the show, because if we, if I start, if I start opening that door, then we're going to go over time. We're not going to have time to answer questions for ask CJ. All right. Well, let's jump to the questions then. Cause I know you're on the clock today. I know. Yeah. Just uh, one of those days. Um, let's get to the questions. Uh, we'll start with uh, T-Bayi92 on Twitter. 
uh, with the NHL playoffs around the corner, would you rather be one of the teams to clinch and play for the Stanley Cup this year or be one of the teams to miss and have a shot at a franchise player in Connor Bedard who can drastically help a team for many years to come? Easy answer, my man. Next year never comes in pro sports. You gotta, you truly got to embrace the moment. So I would say I would much rather be on a team in the Stanley Cup playoffs with a chance to compete for the best trophy in all of professional sports. And, you know, rather than, you know, having to leave my chances up to lottery odds, which aren't that good. You know, only three teams, the bottom three teams, 32nd, 31st, and 30th, have even a 10% chance at getting Connor Bedard. It's 18.5% is, is if you're finished 32nd. So the odds really aren't that great. Of course, you'd love Connor Bedard on your team. If The minute you put Connor Bedard on your team, you might not miss the playoffs again for a long time. I mean, that's that's what we've seen happen with Sidney Crosby and the Penguins, right? The longest streak uh, all the way back to 2006 in the league. You know, even the Leafs, since getting Matthews and Marner, they, they've, they've made the playoffs now in seven straight years. Uh, I know they haven't uh, gone to the places that they want to go as an organization, but you, obviously he changes the dynamic for a number of organizations. But I, I still think in the moment, you, you take the chance to play in the playoffs and, and uh, go win the damn thing. Uh, next one from TXHT Hockey. Hey, CJ, who could you see as the next head coach for the Washington Capitals? It's starting to look more and more evident that Peter Laviolette will not be getting a new contract. Also, would it be wise to clean house behind the bench as there have been some who predate Lavi? Well, I'm not sure Peter Laviolette's done in Washington. I mean, his contract's coming to an end, but you know, earlier in the season, there was some positive, you know, indications from Brian McClellan, the, the general manager there, that they would like to keep Laviolette. So, I, you know, I think it's a little premature to start saying who you replace him with. I guess if we do the hypothetical exercise, though, what kind of coach is best to replace him? Do you go maybe with somebody younger? You know, that, that's a tough spot because they still have established veterans from their cup winning team, right? Like you still have Ovechkin, you still have Kuznetsov, you have Tom Wilson there. Um, you know, and you've made a promise as an organization to Alex Ovechkin to be as competitive as you can be. Like they're, they're not going to strip it down, uh, to the, to the very, you know, last few parts and, and rebuild in, in the long way. I mean, they're, they're going to try to retool on the fly here. So I think you would need a coach with some experience and, you know, Peter Laviolette has a lot of experience. He's taken three different franchises to the Stanley cup final. You know, I know this year hasn't gone great, but I'm not sure I put that on coaching. They've had a lot of injury issues and, and it's just kind of one of those, you know, to me, it's like one of those refresh years. It's not, it's not like you have to change everything, but you gotta, you know, and I think they started to do that process at the deadline. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Laviolette stayed around. Next one from D fizzle on discord. If CJ and Julian had to participate on a TV game show together, what would you pick family feud, newlywed game, cash cab or amazing race? Amazing race. That'd be fun. <laughs> That'd be fun. I've done a lot of traveling in my life. I'm really good at logistics. Like I love, Ooh. I love figuring out how to get from A to B in the most efficient way possible. I'm super experienced at it. And, and, you know, I've never granted, I've never run across the continent or the world in the style that they do on the amazing race show, but I've, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. And I, and I think we'd get along well enough. We could handle the physical challenges. I, I think, I think I, I'm, Amazing Race would be my jam. I, yeah, I feel like I, I, I guess my my biggest worry would just be keeping up. I guess if we do Amazing Race, that's <laughs> like my biggest team. like work. I don't know, just like 
like what if there's like a like a i don't know like a, maybe just i don't know i don't know maybe there's like a weird irrational fear of that like family feud is pretty funny so i would love to see how we would get along on, on a game like family feud on from the same team like you have the stpn versus like i don't know some other 32 thoughts sorry what'd you say 32 thoughts on the other 32 side. thoughts yeah jeff merrick and la friedman and they're producing tv on the other side absolutely would nick go on their side or our side because he's done some work for them Ooh. he could be like the swing vote Ooh. <laughs> is, is is there any way producer nick could let us know which side he would be on if we were to do family <laughs> feud i don't know he would never he would never turn off his turn on his bike to join the show but uh if there's any sign you could give it like right in the chat or something um uh, this this is a very important question as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we'll give him time to answer, though. Uh, we'll get to one last one. For Ask CJ, if you could play any instrument you wanted instantly without having to do any practicing, what instrument would you would you want to be able to play? That's from Turbo Crab 94 It would be the piano for me. I actually took piano lessons as a kid and, you know, got decent enough for being... And but I've let it all go and I could still play a couple songs if I ever sit down. But I, you know, it's like one of those things when you're a kid, everyone says, oh, you're going to want to do this when you grow up. It'll be a great talent. But, you know, I didn't nurture that talent and practice enough. But if I could if I could painlessly acquire the skill, I would love to be a pianist. Yeah, same boat. I learned piano for a couple of years and I just after a while, I, I gave it up and haven't been able to nurture that skill since. So I think I'd be the I think I'd be in the same boat as you. Yeah, like I didn't have natural skill with it, but I sort of through brute force of just doing it. I, you know, I was doing like the Royal Conservatory and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think I got to grade eight, um, which is pretty high up there. But anyway, I, I was never uh, I was never threatening a career behind the behind the ivory keys, but I, I did enjoy it. And I spent a lot of years doing it as a kid. And unfortunately, like, you know, you only have so many hours, man. You can only, only work on so many things. So that was one of the things that fell through the cracks. I think I did grade six or seven but again that was a really long time ago anyway uh look at that in a different life we'd both be really successful pianists <laughs> i'm happy with the way it turned out me too uh thank you to everybody uh for listening to this monday edition of the cj show cj thank you for being you thank you bud this was fun <laughs> We'll be back Thursday with a new show. Uh, we will have stick taps then as well. Subscribe to the podcast, however you listen to podcasts. We'll be back on Thursday. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. Peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.